making a decision is the first step to getting out of any kind of a funk. Um, and like, let's say it's entrepreneurship, just making a decision to talk about it, make a decision to like, try it out, do it in your spare time. Um, it's making the It's, it's a pleasure to have you and um, I've been looking forward to having the conversation. Um, how are you doing? Doing okay. Everything considered, doing all right, actually. Well, tell me what you're up to right now. Like you're working in um, Ritium. Is that how you say it? Ritium? Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, what is it all about? Yeah, good question. Uh, well, Retium came from an idea that you were in the room when we started this idea at Vancouver Startup Week, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, the idea was come up with a real world solution for blockchain. And so we were at that hackathon and we came up with the beginning of what Retium eventually became. So Retium is a platform that we created because our dream was to be able to allow anybody to invest in real estate, especially where we live in Vancouver, a lot of countries, a lot of big cities as well. It's super expensive to get in. So we thought, oh, what if people could own just part of a property and have that as an investment and get on the property ladder? So this is what we set out to create. Now, last year, um, we did a little bit of a pivot. So what we found was that we actually built an awesome technology software for other companies that they really wanted to use um, because we did the, we built a compliance engine and we digitized the back end for any sort of private investment company. And so we actually pivoted and started selling it as a SaaS last year. Oh, wow. Congratulations. That's a nice pivot. Yeah, so I actually, you don't even know that yet. I, I haven't told you No, that. no, I didn't know that. I know yeah. about the first thing. I think it, was it Startup Weekend or was it uh, Van, uh, Van Funding, the hackathon? That's adjacent Van to Van Funding. Funding. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Van Funding. Yeah. I remember that. I was in the room. I was like, okay, great. So your journey was not in, in crypto or blockchain before. Um, tell me a bit about like your journey to that got you here and some of the highlights of that. Yeah, good question. It's definitely been an interesting one. So I'm from Ontario. I lived abroad for almost 10 years. I lived in Australia and the UK. And then I moved to Vancouver five years ago and I wanted to basically change a lot of things about what I was doing. I had a digital marketing company when I lived abroad. Um, I sold uh, information products online. And so when I moved here, I was like, oh, this tech scene is so cool in this city. And I was always just doing my own thing, right? So I really wanted to like get into Vancouver and meet people. Um, so I started just going to events. I took a year off when I moved here from, I didn't really want to work because I wanted to build community and like figure things out, what I wanted to do next, um, which took obviously sacrifices to get to that point as well. And so I just started going to lots of different events and um, I actually went to the van funding event long before I was in tech. I just went like as an attendee and I really enjoyed the scene and it actually reignited my love for work. I was a little bit annoyed of always having to work from home by myself. And like, it always just felt like a bit of a struggle in a way. Um, but like being in the tech community, it, it really it re-excited me, which was really fun and really cool. That's excellent. Was, was that the first time you meet Mike or did you know Mike before? Um, I actually met Mike at the first van funding in 2017. 
Oh wow, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great. Oh, not, not the time that we did the uh, the hackathon. I know the, the, the year before it. He yeah. he won. He won. I think something at the time. I can't remember, but yeah. there's so many of those. And yeah. I remember running into him into that. Uh, he he won the pitch idea. I think contest. Yeah, so the golden interesting. dragon's yeah. dead. Yeah. So so, but when you came to that event, you did you have in your mind that? you wanted to work on an idea or something you were coming just for fun like it was interesting to see you kind of you guys gel together and then after that you launched it and you continued it tell me a little bit about that story because it's fascinating for me yeah actually that's a it's a great uh, great little story so i actually met mike in 2016 and then we were friends and um i met thomas my other business partner also 2016 when i moved here and then I had an idea for a travel app because I traveled a lot. I lived around the world and I thought, you know, I would love to see when my friends are traveling and where they're traveling and if we can hang out and we can meet up. So Thomas and I were starting to build this travel app, like just in our spare time, totally for fun. Didn't expect it to go anywhere, like make money off it. And we actually hired Michael to build it. So oh, wow. I had Michael from that time, um, you know, at the van funding the first time and then got to become his friend. And I was like, this is the guy, he's gonna build it. So the three of us, we were just working on this like for fun in our spare time. So that was like January, 2017. And then fast forward to the October, the van funding, uh, October, 2017 is when we went in that hackathon and we were like, how can we do blockchain and the travel app? And then that's where the idea for like blockchain and real estate came in because a lot of us young people were frustrated and, you know, I sold my houses abroad and that's how I was able to not work for a year by selling property. And I wanted to get back in the market. And I was like, I don't have money. How can I get back in the market? So this idea sort of came forth. And so Thomas, Michael and I had already like been working together sort of part time on our own thing. And we worked really well together, very complementing skills. Um, we're all very different ages and come from very different backgrounds. So we all have different ideas, which, as you know, in tech is like, the golden goose basically okay. that's where all the good ideas come from so it was it was actually really cool to morph into a new business um with the same people and you guys did you know about blockchain before because um i know i, I mean i met you when you were still working in the content space and i know you were into marketing so you were very good at that and then here you are into a very complex technology how did you manage that and how did you benefit from that I have a sense that you benefited from that to be able to explain it to others because you do such a great job. I had the chance to interact with you in other van fundings, which is interesting. Everyone, you guys showed up there, but did that help you not being novice to the technology in explaining it to others and kind of walking them along this journey? Yeah, so yeah, exactly. And that's a good question because in, in that summer, like summer of 2017, Bitcoin was like crazy and blockchain was a new thing and people were finally like paying attention, right? So I was like, okay, what's this blockchain thing? And like, there was, I would go to events and I'd be like the only woman at the event and like, okay, well, <laughs> clearly there's something going on here and something really important. So like learning more about it and like just asking, asking dumb questions because nobody knew the answers to anything. And then just getting curious about like, what is this thing? How is it actually gonna shift and change? Um, and I thought about how could I use blockchain in the content creation business, that kind of thing. But I will say that I'm not on the tech side. So yeah, definitely like from a marketing perspective, um, I'm in the marketing and operations of the company. So I feel like those skills are very transferable. Um, and blockchain is just the background of what we do, right? It's 
So we build tech, we build a platform, we build um, an app, but the blockchain, if I didn't tell you it was blockchain based, you wouldn't really know. Mm. You might know because you're, you know, you know a lot about tech, but a lot of people don't even know. Like yeah. our phones could be on blockchain and we have no idea because it's yeah. just like an underlying layer, right? But yeah, it's, it's very interesting because I was able to ask those questions at the very beginning when nobody knew anything. And then very easily just knowing what you know, just little bits here and there and learning um, then you're able to be an expert almost pretty quickly. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting that you say that because blockchain AI, uh, at, at their hype, people used to sprinkle that. They say like, oh, I have, some, I have blockchain here. And it was like, oh, really? And it was the new exciting thing. But like you're saying, it's, it's like in the 2010s when nobody would say my company is an internet company or, or online. Of course it's online. So it's the same thing. I think these technologies, you're right. It's going to be where you don't care about the technology it's really does it does it give you an advantage so how does um how does ritium gave gives the advantage you talked a little bit about what it does in your mind what does the future with ritium or ritium like technologies will do for the regular people and for the rest of us so the interesting thing um what we do is so we work in it's called private equity basically it's like the stock market is public equity and private equity is like, let's say, big real estate deals that usually only accredited investors can get into. So these are people who um, have a million dollars in cash, four million in assets, or make 200000 a year, which is not the average person. So these are accredited investors, and there's so many opportunities for these people because they, they know how to invest. And I use air quotes because... <laughs> They, in theory, based on how much money they yeah. own and uh, earn, um, they know how to invest. So it's, it's um, you know, when it comes down to like regulation, the Securities Commission, a lot of people heard, have heard of the SEC in the States, especially around blockchain and cryptocurrencies. So in Canada, we have the same thing. It's just provincial across different provinces. So when you actually break it down, a lot of the retail investors, so let's say the 98% who are not accredited, are, are not allowed to get into that market, so to speak. So yeah. regulations have come, you know, we know a company in Vancouver called Front Funder, for example. So they were able to jump on the regulations early. 2015 is when the regulations came in Canada about crowdfunding and equity crowdfunding. So mm -hmm. if you invest into a company or a property, you can actually go under different exemptions. So a lot of people don't really know about this or know that this exists. And so they just continue to go after accredited investors. And that's what we actually wanted to change was allowing anybody to get in because it's just the rich getting richer and that's amazing for them. But what about everybody else? You know, yeah. people were jumping on the Bitcoin bandwagon, which is great for the people who got in at the beginning, but people would just throw lots of money in and then lose a lot of money as well. So at least with private equity, let's say real estate, it's pretty stable and it's pretty safe. You live in a house, I live in a house, like we all know, what it's like to live in a property. Um, it's not really going anywhere it's tangible. You can see it. So. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying because when it comes to a house, when people want to own a house, like it's 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 becoming, I mean, we see, we hear those articles. We live in this world where it's, it's harder and harder for somebody to start working and when they're gonna start own a house and getting into a mortgage. Well, now you can actually buy a portion of the house and distribute. Maybe you're, you're not locked into, let's say, one market. You can go into different markets, right? And that's the advantage here. You can operate like an investor 
per se by distributing your portfolio or distributing your money across different properties, which is excellent. Um, when as an entrepreneur and someone who's into this space, how do you how do you take? I mean, you started with a travel app. You you also had your own ideas about when you say sell, selling knowledge products or education products, which is, I would imagine, courses. The, the one that I know about. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. And now you're you you're taken into this idea of, of democratizing kind of investment into property. Um, how do you take these ideas to to make them a reality just from an idea? And what are some of the bumps along the road <laughs> that you face? Because it's not easy, smooth sailing, right? Oh, it's really hard. And, you know, at the beginning of most companies for people, they're so afraid to tell their idea. And like, you know, this yeah. um, working with a lot of entrepreneurs yourself. And I say, okay, it's taken us three years and more than a million dollars. Do you want to steal my idea? Good luck. Try to go for it. Like it's, it's really tough once you dedicate yourself to doing it it's so hard. There's so many bumps along the way, like COVID's happened. COVID has been good for us in ways and bad for us in other ways. Um, you never know what's going to happen. So like just starting and bootstrapping, I, I actually wish that we bootstrapped a little bit more because um, we raised a lot of money off the get-go. Um, why do you say that? Why is it important? Like, why do you wish that? Well, giving up less equity and we definitely did bootstrap and we're bootstrapping a lot now but i feel like if we had bootstrapped more on the front end then maybe we could have made some of our investment maybe last a little bit longer mm. um obviously like as an entrepreneur especially in a startup you're always raising capital which is totally exhausting um so like when i grew up i grew up with entrepreneurial parents i learned how to starve i learned how to go through those ups and downs and when you get a lot of money at the beginning that we saw this happen, I know you saw this too in 2017, 18, a lot of these blockchain companies got three to five to 10 million and it's gone in like a year, you know, cause they hire a team of 30 and do all these things. And it's, it's great if it's going to last, but a lot of them ended up not lasting. Thankfully we're still here and we're still going and things are moving and things are going really, really well. Um, but it's really tough. And it's just comical to me when people think that they're just going to steal your idea and run with it. Don't even yeah, know. that's a good idea. I'm going to start it. Like, good luck if you can do it. <laughs> right? Exactly. So, what is, what is, thanks for that. I mean, it's, it's very important that people understand because a lot of people hold their ideas close to them. You went and you shared it in a hackathon. Literally anybody could have taken that idea from people who are in the hackathon and executed it. Why is it so hard to execute ideas from your point of view? What are some of the biggest challenges you faced while executing on that idea and making it happen? Yeah, we didn't really experience this, but this is what I've heard from a lot of people is like, let's say there's a few founders um, and like Facebook is a very popular example of this, right? A few founders or whatever the case was and people wanna move away from it or they say, oh, that was my idea or this was stolen or like mm -hmm. people fight. And truthfully, if you have founders or a core team that doesn't get along or that wants to do different things, this is probably the biggest problem in a lot of startups, why a lot of startups fail. Um, or you have to buy people out or do these kind of things. So getting everything legal at the beginning is like the most important thing. Um, and cliffing, like again, something we didn't really do. We did it a little bit, but like 
So let's say if a founder or an advisor stays in for like one year, they get cliffed this much or two years or three years or four years, because what happens if you create a company and you, you give equity to all the founders on day one, and then the next guy leaves in 30 days, then what? Then you know then what I mean? you're stuck with their equity with them, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you're stuck with them and they have control and then they're on your board. And it's just like, it's a logistical nightmare. Um, so like really getting that legal advice down at the beginning is, is super important. Um, just getting the right team too. Like we're, we've been very fortunate that we had a lot of really good people come in at the beginning um, and we were slow to hire. So, you know, right now we're, we still run very lean. We're only a small team. We've got four in Canada and then we've got a few overseas. Um, wow, but just that's, that's very lean. It's very lean. Yeah. And it's, Sometimes I feel like it's unfortunate because of course it would be amazing to have a, a cool office and do all these cool things. But as COVID has happened, we've not really had to lay anybody off. We've not really had to change many things because we were very conservative with all the things that we chose to do. So maybe we'll hire consultants or contractors, these kind of things. But going forward, you know, as we are now an established company, we have a product, we have users, we have customers. Now is the time that we have revenue continuously coming in. Now is the time I would like to see more of a team in Canada, in the office kind of thing. So, mm -hmm. and I feel like that's a smart way to do it, which a lot of people don't do it that way. That's excellent. You are, so you are operating, because I remember looking at 3TM and said, that's a great concept. And I remember you guys raising, I, I actually screenshotted some your website and I use it in my blockchain workshops to introduce it as an example of a, of a company that, that, hey, addressing the property market. So now can someone can go to Ritium and like a regular investor invest in a property? Uh, what is the process? So not yet. Not yet, okay. So this comes down to, you know, another thing that people don't see at the beginning is like, you know, you've been a company three years, how come we can't do this yet? It's expensive, it takes time, licenses, it's very, um, when you're dealing with securities, uh, you have to be very careful with what you say, how you say it, to whom you say it. Um, I personally don't have licenses to say specific things, to sell mm -hmm. the product. Um, I'm choosing to get licensed so I can talk about the product, but it's it can get to the point where um, there could be big rep repercussions if we were to say certain things. The company could be shut down, people could you know, face a lot of legal problems in the future, whether it's us as a company or individuals. So mm -hmm. it's, it's like a hurry up and wait situation. Um, <laughs> we have a lot of people that are ready and we're working on these licenses and that kind of thing. It costs a lot of money and takes a lot of time. And you know what, like we don't want to put something out on the app store and then people download it or look at it and it doesn't work and then they're gone, you know? Mm -hmm. So like we want to make sure when we're ready to go, everything's ready on the background as well. Which people don't see. Yeah, so. it's, it, it, you're you are fundamentally you are you are a company with a financial element, so you need to abide by financial regulations, which is uh, a burden to and and for a reason to protect the investors and stuff like that. So, I think sometimes people don't understand that. Oh, you're a startup. Why don't you offer your product? So, it's sometimes you have to wait and you have to look at that. Mm -hmm. Was there was there. Um, was there something, let's say, uniquely different about your journey as a as a female entrepreneur um, that you can share? Hmm. It's interesting um, being a female entrepreneur and as a co-founder 
in a male dominated industry. Tech is quite male dominated, blockchain even more so. Yeah, so, you showed up to that uh, to that event and you were the, the only woman you said. So it's interesting. I want to see what, what it's like from your point of view. Well, I had a problem when I would go over to Europe, especially because they, when you're at a conference, they often hire, let's say models or something to work the booth. And they don't really expect to ask a lot of questions of the women working booths. So I, when I'm answering questions and I'm in Europe and like, I know all the answers and the, the men, especially who were coming to the booth were like flabbergasted that I knew a lot about the company. Oh, wow. And did they, did they think you're a model there? <laughs> what they, oh my God. I felt really awkward about that. Um, overall, that doesn't really happen so much in Canada because it's more widely understood. Um, but of course, it's, I think the biggest thing for me was overcoming myself, overcoming my own thing in my head of like, oh, I'm, I'm a female founder and they only want me on the panel because it's the token female or these kinds of things. Um, and that, that was a, a tough pill to swallow because I know I'm, I'm smart. I know I'm educated. I know I'm worthy to be on stage. Um, but when they contact you and they're like, oh, we're looking for a woman, it doesn't feel, I don't know, it's, it's strange, right? Of so, course, yeah. <laughs> but also oh advantage yeah. of that. So also yeah. like I would, I would put it out there. I'm like, yeah, I'll be the- for you. I'll, I'll go on the women in tech and the women only this and all these, you know, all these women only groups. And like, I don't mind leading the charge on those things, but that, that was the hard thing was getting it over my, getting over it myself, basically. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. And um, in, in your journey, like looking at, looking at, let's say those groups uh, and your perspective, I'm not, I'm not asking you to kind of represent all of the, all of the women founders. Um, what would you say would have made it easier for you personally? Like what, what could have people around you who sometimes don't know how to act or sometimes act in a certain way, how could, could have they made you feel, let's say, less, less awkward or, or more accepted? What, would, what could have they done? Ah, oh, good question. Um, I think it goes, I, I don't think it, it's not a personal thing. So I think it goes, it's like a higher level view it's like a 50,000 foot view of the whole structure of organize the organization so I see a lot of cool things with women in STEM or STEAM whatever you want to call it um, and you know without getting too deep it goes back to like as kids you know like there's a lot of toys now this Christmas that I'm seeing that are scientific for girls so like it just goes back to the roots of our society and like who we are and how we believe and you look, we come from all different countries in the world. So my background is Dutch and women have been leading the charge in Holland for years and years and years. If you come from a different country, you know, we're in Canada, it's a melting pot. So there's, there's a variance of how people think. So it's, I, I think personally, it's just our programming, um, but it's deprogramming and deconditioning away from those things um, and just supporting whatever that is at that younger stage. I, I love to see young girls getting into that. I was, I guess, a tomboy, quote unquote, like I love snowboarding and playing sports and doing all the things the guys like to do when I was younger. And my parents really allowed me to do anything I wanted. I don't know if that's the case for a lot of women. Um, I always had my parents support in that sense. And I'm very grateful for that because I don't think everybody had that experience. So for, I guess for me, it was easier to overcome because I was like, I've already been doing all this stuff forever. It's not a new switch, so to speak, I guess. 
That is so, so interesting. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Last thing I want to say is that I'm very lucky that my two business partners have a lot of sisters and they get it and they really know how to be around a woman founder and understand that I'm going to have a lot of strong opinions and good things to say as well. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the interesting part about this is it's kind of, uh, I remember being oblivious for this un, uh, for when, until uh, I got my daughter and me and my wife, my wife is master's of computer science. She's actually more smart, much smarter than I am. And we go into to buy toys. And it was a first uh, observation where everything in the aisle for girls is, you know, you know, dolls and stuff like that. And when I'm going to, because I wanted to buy, I, I like, I love toys. <laughs> and I used it as, a, as an excuse when my son was born, my son was born before my daughter to go buy toys for him. And usually I'd buy toys that I can play with, like Legos and stuff. And usually my wife would tell me like, this is not, this is for him, right? You do realize he's one years old, not. <laughs> so then when I'm going to buy for, for, for my daughter, I couldn't find anything that I would enjoy playing. And also like, why is it all dolls? And only then the realization. So it's so true that at the very beginning, it's kind of like the conditioning and it's not intentional. It's just the way things are. And it just it plays with a conditioning. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Thanks for sharing that. That's actually a very interesting point of like, hey, it's a lot about the upbringing. You can do whatever you can right now, but also the upbringing. Um, do you see things going like do, uh, getting better, in, if, if I might ask? I think so. I think, you know, there's been a lot of movements this year there's been you know especially with this me too movement that's happened recently there's been a lot of women speaking up in in all ways um and a lot of people just aren't putting up with the way that things were including men mm. and men are women's biggest advocate and yeah. you know back in the day i get it i get how it was like women couldn't even own property like until i think it was the 60s roughly and there's certain things like women couldn't vote and it was all protection against women back from the past and these things. And I understand how it used to be. Things have changed and times have changed. And as we evolve as humans and your kids are definitely going to be thinking very differently to how we think, but things evolve, their brains evolve and they become more enlightened and it's hope. It's hope for the future for sure. I'm grateful. I do feel like I was born a bit early for how I think I'm born in the early 80s. And I do feel like I think more like a millennial in a lot of ways, um, especially like when it comes to work and these kind of things. Uh, but I think it's very exciting as well for going forward with what's going to happen in the future. And, and if we're all on board with it, I think a lot of people are. Um, and the older generation is changing and is shifting because um, they don't really have a choice because the majority of the workforce is the younger generation that's demanding it. You know, you look at like, the campus style way of working like a let's say a Google campus style or Facebook campus style everybody wants to work for a tech company because it's fun and it's cool and nobody wears suits anymore like it's totally changing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, as as someone who's building a company that is blockchain and finance. So so not only it's it's a new technology that has its own kind of communities uh, needs its own understanding. Maybe it's a longer life cycle than a regular startup, like to get to a working technology maybe. And then there's the financial aspect of it, which has to do with regulations. Did you notice that let's say Canada have, uh, has a, 
a conducive system? You went, you said you, you went to certain exhibitions, you met a lot of others. Did you notice, because you notice a lot of blockchain companies want to register, let's say in Switzerland or somewhere in Europe or some other places, Malta, for example. What did you notice about that? I'm curious to see your point of view, because you're working at a startup, you, I'm, I'm reading about it, but you're working at a startup that actually dealing with all of those. Yeah, so we looked at going, we were in Malta, and this was my example when they think the models at the booths came up, actually. Okay. Right? So yeah, the thing. Um, so we were in Malta, we looked at registering there. But at the end of the day, like we live in Canada, we weren't prepared to move to Malta, don't want to move to Malta. Like we, Canada has strict regulations, and so does the States. Okay, maybe it's a little bit like annoying or whatever word you want to use. It's strict but it's strict for a reason and we respect that and if you go to these places like blockchain island malta or um you know barbados or switzerland or these other places yeah you can do different things but you're probably going to be talking to canadians or americans anyways and then you're going to land in hot water right so it's it's a very tricky thing to answer um, at the end of the day we chose to stay in canada do it in our own backyard and become highly regulated because here's the thing if you get regulated in canada or america let's say and then you go to kenya and then you go to malta these places where regulation is just almost nothing you're going to be doing things so properly that when regulation comes in because it's probably bound to once they catch up in these other countries maybe maybe not i don't know um but you're going to be so prepared and it comes back to a bit of a moral thing personally I think as well for us is like there's lots of cowboys that are doing crazy things like we've heard of these stories of Quadriga and other companies that have just completely disappeared and we absolutely want nothing to do with being grouped in anything like that so the more legal and if it takes time and the more regulated that we can get like we work with the BCSC closely we talk to them frequently um, we have the same lawyer as them. So, you know, like we want to do things properly and we want, we do want it to change, but we want it to change appropriately because we are all changing. Right. So, and that was a long winded answer, but no, it's, it's a very good answer. I'm curious because you're saying it's, it sounds like you guys are looking towards the future. You're saying something like, Hey, even though, um, we're not regulated like these are areas that might not have regulation but let's say if if let's say fraud exceeds like the regulation came here in in the us or in canada it came because you know icos went out of whack right a lot of icos so so they stepped in and and they kind of curbed things down so it's likely that regulation will come so it sounded like it sounds like you have some future vision or you're anticipating stuff how do you make sure uh, as founders that you're working both towards the future, building something, you know, great and, and long-term and you have the day-to-day, -day, you know, grind that you have to deal with. How do you kind of manage between that? What's it like? Very hard in COVID times. <laughs> Elaborate, please. <laughs> so without money, nothing in the future can be dreamed of, of course, mm -hmm. right? Like in a startup. So right now, um, you know, we have to do the day-to-day it's cool because we have some fun things happening, um, but until there's capital injection, we can't even think about the dreams that we have in expanding into different places. You know, we have built a child app um, as well, and this is something that's up our sleeve. We're not ready to deploy on that. We're not ready to market it. We're not ready to do anything about that yet. 
but it's something that's big in the world right now. We just don't have the capital to focus on that, right? So a lot of day-to-day COVID has really knocked us. Thankfully, we're still operating. A lot of companies had to shut down, but COVID has slowed us down in a way kept us at home, which has been useful to like work, you know what it's like on the road. Um, But at the same time, it's hard to dream of the future when you've got, you know, it's like that parable, like the forest through the trees, like you've got this stuff in front of you trying to get through COVID. It's still there and we still talk about it, but we can't touch it yet until, yeah, it's like chicken and egg, which is annoying. Um, But it it all comes down to capital at the end of the day, as you know, with any startup. Yeah. I'm noticing something. I don't know if I'm wrong about this, but I'm noticing something in your, your, you come from, and correct me if I'm wrong, you are more driven towards marketing, content, being out there. Is that, is that accurate to say? Like from my knowledge of, of your work, is that accurate to say? Yeah. For me personally? Yeah. yeah. So, so. so, so how do you, how do you, because as marketers, we want to be out, we want to put something out there. In your talk, you sound like the reserved founder that is keeping things under wraps just to make sure, you know, we have enough funding. You're not like the, the um, how do I call it? Like the flamboyant founder is like, yeah, we put everything, you, you don't like, you don't have a lot of news about you, even though you have something newsworthy. And, um, and you're heading even the marketing of the company. So how do you manage, uh, or, or interesting to hear your thought process around this, of the balance between putting something out there and getting the coverage. And as you're saying right now, you're saying we have the app ready to run, but we're not gonna deploy it until it's ready. Um, so yeah, how do you balance between that? Because I'm sure you have some drives, like, hey, we built it, we want, to, we want it out there, we want some buzz. It's interesting. It's a couple things, so it's like, I don't really like the boy who cried wolf, right? So like when we started the company, we were like, yeah, this is going to happen. It's going to happen soon. And now it's three years later and we still don't have people investing. So, Mm. so I guess it's part of that. And, and it's the reservedness also of a founder. Like I feel in a way based on what you're just saying, which is totally true that I've got like the angel and the devil on my shoulder (laughs) and the devil's like, slow down, slow down, or or whoever the angel or the devil, like slow down and, you know, I'm also doing all the operations. So it's like, make sure the legal and talking to BCSC and doing all these things. And then the other side is like, we have to get this out there and we have to talk about it. But then it's like, but is it legal? Can we say that? Are we allowed? So you're right. It's like, I feel torn in a way. It's very exciting, but I don't know. I guess that's also my personality is like, gone are the days when like, like with ICOs, as you said, like companies would get 10 million and run quick and then burn out. And I really don't want us to do that. Like we don't want to do things wrong to end us up in legal trouble. We want this, we want to see this through. We want this to be a great success. Um, You know, whether we continue on and keep building out different streams like the child app, for example, or whether we get acquired because our technology is that, that great um there's there's a few different avenues obviously we could go down but I see that like in the long run marketing and like getting out there really really quickly can shoot you in the foot in something that is very um regulated uh it's you have to be very careful with how you speak about it and when you speak about it so you're totally you totally nailed it it's I'm having to be more reserved than I would like to be um, but I think that's like the operation side speaking there. It's like, we got to slow down guys. And then the other marketing side, right? So 
I think we're doing a lot of cool things. Um, you know, we're a very diverse team, which is really cool. And I feel like in a lot of ways, we've been ahead of the curve. You know, there's a female founder, we've got a black founder, we've got um, diverse range of ages as well, which a lot of tech companies don't have. We've got people in their 20s, we've got people in their 60s on our, you know, on our board, this kind of thing. So um, these are kind of things that I feel like we're way far in advance, but also when you are too future and a lot of things that you're trying to do, the regulations have to catch up. And that's what, that's one of the reasons why Malta or these other places is very appealing. But then when it comes back down to the logistics and we actually want to do things right. And we want to do things for like the people in our home country first as well. Like we're here, you know, it's like serving the communities in your own backyard first and then expanding. So I don't know if that's the right answer, if we should have done the other or this or whatever it is, but it's easier to work when you're on the ground, of course, too. So that's so cool. I, I love the the example of the angel and the devil. <laughs> that's that's pretty pretty apt description. Um, it's you you talked a little bit about this, and I don't know how comfortable you are talking about this, but you talked several things that came out through your conversation, which is talking about diversity, having different people um, from different backgrounds, different understandings, and you also talked about how. Uh, and it's, it's now in the industry, like it's, it's like diversity, diversity and everything. And you talked a little bit about how some people use certain things as tokens, like they, they would, oh, look for a woman founder to be on, on a panel just as a token. Um, what do you, what is, what are you seeing in the market? And, um, and if, if that's okay to ask you that question, like what did, what did it bring to have that diversity? Because your diversity is not forced. It's not like you search for someone that meets a certain, you didn't do like the guys who reached out to you and like, we, just, we have to have a token. You, you actually knew each other and it's very naturally that you resonated. Tell us about the benefit of, of having a diverse team and what is, if there is such a thing as a right way to build a diverse team, in your opinion? Yeah, I think, yeah, it's a tough one. Like I would hate it if we were finding someone to fill a hole, like, oh, we just need a woman or we just need whatever diverse background. So I think one thing people don't talk about is ages. And that to me is a really big, important thing. People in tech companies are all between like 28 and 42 or whatever those ages are. Right. And it's usually like a lot of guys who have come from the same background. So diversity from what I see is not just like a woman or a color of skin. It's like, where did you grow up? How are you raised? How do you think as well? So, you know, Michael grew up in Kenya. It's like Thomas is Korean, but he grew up in Canada. So he's going to have a Canadian slant to the way that he was brought up as well. So obviously there's gonna be Korean influences. Um, and obviously as a woman, I'm growing up in Canada, but I'm gonna have like female influences as well. So it's to us very interesting. And actually all of our team, most of our team is actually not from Canada. So we have a programmer from Brazil. Uh, you know, we have a marketing girl who's also from Kenya. Um, we have somebody else on the team from Russia. We have other, so it's, it's really interesting. Like it's how people think and how they come to conclusions. And to me, this is the best way that you can solve problems. I, I don't want a team that all thinks the same. I want people who challenge me because then I can actually see different points of view because most people in the world aren't gonna think like one way, right? And so if I can 
help people think in a certain way, I'm talking to that audience. If Michael helps people think in a different way, he's talking to that audience, right? And we all have our merit as well. So like Michael could easily talk to the tech side. I could easily talk to, let's say the female side. Thomas could easily talk to the sales side um, or people who are like maybe a little bit more established and who have more of an investment to put in. So even just having all of those completely, it's not about looks, it's not about feminine, masculine or colors or backgrounds or anything like this necessarily. Um, so, and I think that, yeah, I don't know if I'll get flack for this, but I think diversity goes, it's way more than skin deep for sure. Yeah. And of course, you know, as we see visibly, there's, there's the visible diversity, but there's also diversity that isn't seen. So it's, it's, just, it's a tough topic and it's interesting topic. Um, I think it's being aware and putting yourself in those situations. Like we're creating a diversity and inclusion. Um, I don't even know what you'd call it, like a little extension of our company, um, focusing on going to different events, which we've already been doing, but now we're sort of like, I don't know, writing it down or like making it more of a conscious effort to be focusing on those things um, and talking to other groups about this kind of thing. Mm. So whether it's myself or like, let's say Michael or somebody else on the team, but talking about the diversity and the culture of the team, because at the end of the day, like the only thing that really matters to us is if you're cool people and you can think critically and you have good ideas and and you can learn and you're moldable and that's what people look for in tech you know so cool thank you for answering that it's like it's it's a hard topic and a hard area because it's nuanced there is so much that goes into it uh unfortunately the 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 uh i think the the general approach that is happening outside is usually like one zero like it's either yeah. this or this either and in real life we know that things are more nuanced it, it, there's a lot to take into when you meet a person it's not just who what they look like who they are it's it's there's so much more to who the person is and that's why i love doing these conversations because i get to know um people by having conversation after conversation there's so many layers to a person what are some of the stuff that um people who are close to you would know about you but people who don't know you like they know you just the, as the founder would like yeah say laura is this but what are some of the stuff that people don't know about you that you're willing to share for example some personal stuff yeah um let's see I'm really into human design. I don't know if you know what this is, but what it's is human design. It's kind of like an astrology type thing, but it's a little bit um, so it, it combines a number of systems together, like the I Ching, the Kabbalah system, numerology, uh, the chakra system, astrology. So it combines everything together um, and it actually gives you like a map of who you are, a map of your personality, how you operate, what type of energy you have and these kind of things. Obviously, I don't live my life by it, but it's very interesting to mm -hmm. go deep and see people and learn from people with like understanding how you can interact with them, um, understanding what works and maybe what doesn't work as well. So it gives you a little bit of um, a high level view and an insight into like their, not their psyche, but like their chart, I guess you could call it, or like what's written in the stars for them. If I don't know if people believe in this, but I find it every time that I look into different people's charts, it's scarily accurate. And actually how I came to move back to Canada, I was living abroad for 10 years almost, 
um, a lot of things that I chose to do, creating companies, I was almost looking at my own design to see like, how do I operate and saying yes to curiosity because that's what works for me. And usually people know these things about themselves. And if nothing else, it gives you a permission to be yourself, basically. Interesting. So, yeah, yeah, it makes it more pronounced, right? That's interesting. Yeah, I, I used to be, I used to be into like these kind of things in numerology. Uh, definitely read my sign all, <laughs> all the time, and uh, and looking at it, it's like, yeah, that's true. And, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, I used I used to I used to actually uh, ask people what sign I I don't know when I stopped doing that, but it was funny. I would ask someone like, "What's your sign?" It's like, "Oh, okay. Here's how it works between us," and uh, it's yeah. it was so funny. Um, so that's cool. Thanks for sharing that. And uh, what do you do when you're not working? Like, what what are some of the activities that you're that you're into? You said a little yeah. bit about snowboarding when you were when you you still snowboard right now. You'd still do these kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's good. That's cool that you remember that. Um, not so much. I went snowshoeing last night, which was fun. Um, what is snowshoeing? So snowshoeing. Remember, I didn't grow up in Canada, so all the snow stuff I'm not aware. Of. I know. Yeah, what is, it, what is it? So it's basically you just strap these things onto your shoes and you just walk. It's basically like a walk in the woods. Oh, okay. Um, you have snowshoes on your boots that like grip into the snow. Um, and you can go like off different trails and you're not going to sink into the snow and it's just a great way to like get outdoors and it's not it's not challenging like you don't have to know how to do it it's just basically walking oh sounds um, like cool something easy I love easy <laughs> yeah it'd be great to take with your kids too right like we just went up to Cyprus just close by mountain close by but I for me like I love any outdoor activity like I play ultimate frisbee in the summer um actually gonna go snowboarding next week but haven't done it too much um, but I, I live for like being outside, especially in these COVID times, like yeah. it's a lot of Netflix these days, unfortunately, and like trying to do like every book I read is business based. And so I feel almost exhausted in a way of like overstimulating my brain. So then, and there's no events to go to. And like, I'm a very social person. And I love, I know you're the same, like love doing these yeah. kind of things, going out. But if there's none of that, um, yeah, it's just like chilling, really. <laughs> Which... Yeah, you're you're one of those people that I feel like I know you because, I mean, I feel like I know you and I sat down with you a lot because every event we kind of see each other. Yeah. So, uh, so we call them what the, in Launch Academy we used to have we used to have a name for this phenomena where you see the person a lot, so you feel like you like you've already sat down with them, but you actually didn't take the time to sit down for a coffee. I mean, I know we we sat down and we had coffees and we, yeah. but it's like I feel that I know a lot about you, but we didn't take the time, so that's why this conversation. So that's great, yeah. And I feel you. It's it's this COVID kind of kept us home and especially for people who like to go out I love meeting people in person so it's very hard what are some of the you said you're you're reading you're reading business books what are some of your favorite business books recently oh gosh um I really like the stealing fire book um oh, it's wow, all about like my favorite book it's it's so good right it's like That's navy awesome. seals and the Silicon valley and like the navy seals training yeah that one's really good I really love um the e-myth I don't know if you know this one by Michael yeah. Gerber. That's really good. Um, uh, I like, um, oh my gosh, what's his name? Oh my gosh, I'm blanking right now. Um, Horowitz, Ben Horowitz. Yeah. Yes. By him. The hard thing? 
the hard thing about hard things or is okay thing about hard things and there was another one i read lately oh my gosh um he, yeah, i think he had a new book what was it what you do is who you are that's what it's called oh, i don't know I, i i saw that he had a new book is that's his newest right his latest after a hard thing i don't know so i have a confession But he had in the next book i do audible so i don't always know the names of the books because <laughs> i don't too, like me too <laughs> yeah um but cool. yeah yeah thanks for sharing that thanks and what is what is next for you what are what is what does the future hold for you as an entrepreneur as a person what would you like to see And what are you going after? Yeah, actually something I'm working on right now, um, and I think it's important for all of us entrepreneurs and maybe even all of us humans, I'm, I'm building out a site for myself. So who is Laura as a person? So I do Retium, I'm really into human design. Um, you know, I, I've started doing human design readings over COVID as well, just to like inspire my curiosity again with human design, just sort of like, just for fun kind of thing. Um, Here's all the podcasts I've been on. Here's the past companies I've had. So um, more, it's more in depth than like a LinkedIn profile and it gives more personality as well, which I like. So like just even having silly videos about me um, possibly on there, we'll see. But it's kind of like, um, I guess, branding me as a person, I guess you could say. Um, and I think you're right. I think that like we feel that we know a lot of people but then we can learn more from what they do in their spare time or what they post on their social media or what they stand behind or what they believe in. Um, so I would like all of that to be in one place. So that's kind of what I'm working on right now. Oh, that's cool. And in your journey, um, I'm sure you, you've had a lot of highs and, and you, you said you traveled a lot, you lived 10 years out of, out of Canada. You've, had, you've worked on multiple ideas. What are some of the like the hard times that you that you've been through that maybe people don't know about? A lot of people don't know they see this entrepreneurship journey and they see the highlights and they're enamored by it. They're like, wow, you must be very successful. What is it like to what are some of these hard moments and uh, that you can share with us? And how did you get over it? Yeah, and you're exactly right. It's like the overnight success that took 10 years, right? <laughs> like people always joke about, but it's so true. Yeah, so like living abroad sounds amazing and it was cool, but it's really hard. You know, you're from abroad as well, right? You're you're living in Canada now and it's really different. Um, I lived in Australia and the UK. So you think, oh, it's the same, same language, whatever. It's so different. Mm -hmm. The nuances, um, it's it was fun, of course, but it's really challenging, like feeling very isolated, very lonely. Nobody understands you, nobody gets you. You know, all these kinds of things that any immigrant faces and it's very true um I think I'm lucky that I had parents who were entrepreneurs because it really taught me how to struggle um I learned the illusion of stability from a very very young age mm -hmm. and I feel like that has allowed me and given me the strength to move to a new place and look I moved to Vancouver knowing nobody I, in the same country as Toronto which is the area that I'm from but like I don't know anybody. It might as well be a new country to me. So just having that courage and knowing who I am at the core so I can go out um, and make new friends and meet new people and also being able to reinvent yourself. Like who do you actually want to be here versus back in Toronto, for example. Um, but I thrive on being out of my comfort zone. Um, a lot of people don't. So, you know, COVID was really hard for a lot of people. 
it's obviously been really hard for me too, but it's also to the point of like, okay, now I have nothing. Now what, you know what I mean? It's to the point of like, everything stopped for everybody. And now you can start from like nothing, which is entrepreneurship, which is I'm divorced. So, which is also divorce, which was really crazy hard, but coming from that place of like, I have nothing to lose. So what's next? What can I do? Oh, if I try this, there's nothing to lose because, and that's the beauty of, you know, this like Phoenix from the ashes type idea. And when you look back, they say hindsight's always 2020, because when you look back, you're like, oh, that really hardest time in my life was what spurred me and what gave me the strength and what helped me get to where I'm at. And I know probably a lot of people are understanding or have heard these in cliches, but when you actually go through that, um, and it, it's funny because I was thinking about this last night, COVID has been really hard. Like I'm social, I love to get out and do things. What has it been good for, for me? And I've moved to Vancouver almost five years ago. I cast my net very wide, had a lot of like acquaintances. COVID for me has grown a really small, tight knit group of close friends because you can't see lots of people. You can't do all these things with people. So, you know, the people that I am seeing are in my bubble and this has really formed strong relationships. So I've been wanting this, but I was never forced to get it right. So maybe in two years, looking back, it's like, okay, COVID forced us to stay home more, appreciate cooking, appreciate the close friends we have, um, appreciate technology and zoom and doing these kind of things. So yeah, I think looking back on the difficult times is what gives us that strength to go through more difficulty. It's really shitty and hard in the moment, of course. But that's fascinating. Thanks for sharing that. It sounds like you you also asked yourself certain questions to to switch like switch the perspective. And that is that, so what are do you have any any favorite kind of method, way, framework or question that can change that perspective, not just in hard times, but in usual times when you think you're thinking similarly, you're not changing. Um, is there is there something that you do or, or some process that you follow to get you out of your comfort zone? Because you seem very comfortable there or you just jump in. It's, it just comes naturally. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a process for me. Um, I do like I, I think it just comes back to how you're raised, too. And like if people come from a very stable upbringing, everything, let's say maybe this COVID time or any other difficult time is really, really, really hard for them. And that's probably the case. So um, I guess I don't really fully know, but I would say a big thing is just making decisions is really hard when you're going through tough times. So making a decision, whatever it is, make a decision about what you're going to eat, make a decision about what you're, that you're going to go for a walk. Making a decision is the first step to getting out of any kind of a funk. Um, and like, let's say it's entrepreneurship, just making a decision to talk about it, make a decision to like, try it out, do it in your spare time. Um, it's making the decision is actually the hardest part. Oh, super right. Yeah, that's so spot on. Laura, it's, it's fascinating. Um, we, we, we've been talking for almost an hour and I have more questions. <laughs> even <laughs> I want to talk to you some more. However, I'm definitely going to have you again. Thank you so much for the time and uh, for the great conversation and for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's so good to see you. Like it's been probably a year, obviously, since I saw yeah, you last. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having All me. Right.
fun. Appreciate it.